With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. There's no bigger fan of the Iowa Hawkeyes than Iowa's premier dish retailer, Big Dog Satellite and Solar. If you can't watch live, there's no better way to record every game than the hopper from Dish. Search or call Big Dog today and ask for the Hawkeye Tailgater Special. For one more beer for me. Exile means quality. So savagely. Best beer in all the land. Brewed with a loving hand. From bottle, keg, or can. Exile Brewing. E-X-I-L-E. For me. E-X-I-L-E. Let's drink football. Enjoy your HN Podcast, I'm John Miller, along with Steve Dace, and tis the season for brackets, one of the best two weeks, uh, two to three weeks in sports, and Steve, we probably say this every year, but for me, the, the upcoming weekend, the first weekend of the NCAA tournament is probably my favorite four days in sports. Uh, probably even ahead of the Masters, uh, that's a four-day run of golf. I really love the Thursday, Friday of the NCAA tournament if we're going to refine it even more. It's probably my favorite. Better than the Super Bowl for me. Better than bowl games for me. What do you say? Uh, Totally agree. Now, what they're doing with the opening weekend of college football, stretching it off from Thursday to Labor Day, and and the amount of intriguing games we're getting that opening weekend now, it, it might be second on the list, but I don't know that it can ever exceed um, the NCAA tournament. And I mean, I've been taking these days off since high school. Uh, and, uh, you know, Michigan's coming to Des Moines and we'll look at there and all the other teams brackets in the big 10 and the bigger 10 podcast, but I'm taking Noah down to Wells Fargo to see Michigan play Montana in the first round on Thursday night. Um, and you know, other than that, I- I'm going to need to be detached from my leather chair in the man cave with a human spatula for the rest of those four days. Um, uh, it's just, it's it's Americana, brother. It's Dan McCartney used to say, America comes alive. It does indeed. And I had totally not put the Michigan Des Moines thing together in my my mind relative to you. I've been so self-absorbed on a family vacation that I didn't even think of how awesome that is for you. And that's really cool that you get to go do that with your son. It was So, you know what? We'll save that for the, the Bigger Ten podcast. I'm going to want to hear how that played out in your house when you and your son found out it was Des Moines more so. Well, I, sh- I should say you and your son because you were probably just as excited for it as he was for him as only you understand when you are a parent. So let's dive in. Your annual commandments, some of these change each year. Many of them are similar, but they are certainly worth going over, as is any good bit of information. If it's wise, sage advice, it's worth hearing. So before you send in your last bracket, or if you're like me, your only bracket, and hopefully, like my friend Steve Dace this year, who... Um, we going to have one bracket this year. I've only had one bracket every year, John. 
We gonna make any changes this year? <laughs> no, and it's not a foul. Uh, when the team you picked to win the championship, their only NBA lottery pick is announced that he's out for the tournament after the uh, um, you know after you turn your sheet in. I mean. It, the game hadn't been played yet. Who would just sit there knowing they have a bad pick and stick with it? Who would just do that? Answer, no one. That, that's not integrity. That's um, imbecility. That's what that is. Yeah. Don't just sit there and lose. Who, well, who, who I, it is? I, I would expect you to refer to me as an imbecile in this hypothetical since <laughs> you're the one that lacked any sense of moral fiber and integrity. <laughs> I know how this game's played. I played it with you for years. All right, let's just dive in. Uh, it's it's a new year. It's a, it's a new year, um, and, and I'm all about second chances. Uh, so, Steve Dace's do's and don'ts of filling out your bracket. Lead it off, Dace. Well, these have helped me immensely. Um, our, our longtime listeners will note that for year I have not won an NCAA tournament pool. All my life, until two years ago, I started employing these analytics, and I've been updating them and adding some each year since. Two years ago, I finished in the top 1% at ESPN.com out of like 20 million brackets doing this. Um, last year, I had one of the national championship teams right, and it was a team almost nobody picked. So um, here we go. Here are, This year, I framed them in a series of do's and don'ts, all right? So number one, don't pick Duke the number one overall seed. Since the number one overall seed became public 15 years ago, only three number one overall seeds have won the NCAA tournament, and it hasn't happened since Louisville in 2013. And you'll have to recall that uh, they had to vacate that title because they used they literally used strippers and hoes to recruit that team. All right? Here's another reason not to pick Duke. Duke is 339th nationally in three-point shooting. That's the worst among major conference teams in the tournament. No team that has ever been the worst three-point shooting team among major conference teams in the tournament has gone on to win it. Never happened. Not since they've had the three-point shot in 1987 when it debuted. Okay? It's never happened. So foreshadowing two reasons yeah. not to pick Duke to win the tournament. Yeah, foreshadowing um, when we reveal our brackets uh, in the next podcast. Are we, are we going to do this one or the or the bigger 10? I can't recall if we're going to do our, are we going to do our brackets in this one or are we going to do the brackets in the bigger 10? Depends on time. Okay. How de quickly depends on time. Well, okay. whenever we do reveal, spoiler alert, I did not read Dace's do's and don'ts of filling out your bracket prior to filling mine out. <laughs> well, now we have a control sample for the audience yes, and the experiment, do. right? Yes, yes, we have we the do. control. Yes, we do. All right. Yes, we do. Move All right, on. now you you do want to you do want to pick one of these other six teams to win the national championship. There's seven, that, that uh, but you want to pick one the six other one of the six other than Duke to win it that are in the top twenty in Ken Palm in both offensive and defensive efficiency. Why? Since 2002, only one team that wasn't in the top twenty in both that was Shabazz Napier's UConn did went on to win the national championship. Those six teams. Michigan and Michigan State out of the Big Ten, Tennessee and Kentucky, or I'm sorry, not Tennessee and Kentucky, only Kentucky out of the SEC, North Carolina and Virginia out of the ACC, 
and then Gonzaga would be the sixth team. Now, Mike DeCourcy at, at BTN and John Gassaway at ESPN pushed back on me for sharing the stat, noting that two teams played their way into the top 20 in both during the NCAA tournament, including the last one was Duke in 2015. Here's the thing about that. Yes, that happened, but you need to understand the way analytics work, okay? You're, you're not going to overcome a 35-game 30, a body of work in six games, meaning if you're 52nd in offensive efficiency right now, I don't care how well you play or who you play the next six games in a row, you're not going from 52nd to 20th in six games to overcome 35 games of the body of work. You see what I'm saying? Okay, you, can, you just can't do it. Yeah. The, the math doesn't work. But what you could do is let's say you were in the top 20 in one and the top 35 in another or top 30 in both. Could you, if you were really good, play into the top 20 in, the, in those numbers by the end of a six-game winning streak? You could. There's 11, about 11 teams that are in that realm, and a few of them are like Nevada and Buffalo, who aren't teams that are going to win the national championship. So by and large, for the most part, the overwhelming odds are one of those six teams, not counting Duke, that are in the top 20 in offensive and defensive efficiency are going to win win the national championship okay um now do consider picking virginia and or gonzaga in your national championship game because since it debuted in 2015 espn's analytical bpi has picked at least one of the teams to make the national championship game every single season it's national championship game this year is virginia and gonzaga last year it had virginia and villanova it got villanova right the year before, it had Villanova, and I can't remember who it was against, but it wasn't North Carolina. Um, and uh, uh, I'm sorry, the year before, it had Gonzaga and North Carolina. It had the exact game right. The year before, it had Villanova against somebody not North Carolina, but it got Villanova right. The first year, its top three teams were Kentucky, who was undefeated, Wisconsin, and Duke. All three of those teams made the Final Four. All right? So odds are Virginia and or Gonzaga – is going to be in the national championship game. But before you pick both of them to be in there, consider this. Don't pick two number one seeds to square off in the national championship game. It's only happened eight times in 40 years since seeding began in 1979. It's only happened eight times. Okay? Damn, I also, really needed the, to read this. <laughs> the 5-12 upset. Remember how that used to be the trend? Yes, yes. Well, it's not anymore. Um, in fact, last year, five seeds went 4-0 against 12 seeds. And in the last four years, 12 seeds have gone a combined 3-13 and 13, uh, against five seeds over the last four years. So what's happened is, since they've added this play-in game, they're vetting the, the, the bottom halves of the brackets better in terms of who gets those last four spots for buys. And so you're not seeing Oklahoma as a 12 seed from a power conference that's totally underrated. Uh, you're not seeing that like we used to see it for so many years before. So that's something to keep in mind. Hmm. Interesting. Also, don't be afraid to challenge the odds makers in the first round. There's so many games that the lines aren't as tight as what you see in football, for example, when it's one game a week. For example, last year was the first time ever Vegas didn't make any lower seeded team a favorite. And yet nine lower seeded teams won outright in the first round. 
All right. Hmm. So don't be afraid to challenge Vegas in the opening round. Now, as the games get go, as the games go on, and there's more time, and there's less teams, and there's more betting, the lines are tighter. But earlier on, that's when you want to go after the odds makers. You do want to bet on John Beeline. He is the number one winning percentage against the spread of any active Power Five coach in the uh, all time in the NCAA tournament. It's like 65 or 66 percent against the spread. Okay. Don't be afraid to put at least one, to put one lower seeded team in your final four. Since 2011, nine teams seeded seventh or lower made the final four. That's as many as made it total from 1985 to 2001. And last year we had three teams seated seventh or worse, make the elite eight. Wow. Don't put more than two seeds in your two number one seeds in your final four. Since seeding began in 1979, only five times have there been more than two number one seeds to make the final four. Um, In fact, since all four number one seeds made it for the first and only time back in 2008, 14 total number one seeds have made the final four the next 10 years. That's only 1.4 per season. Okay. Do pick at least one first four team to, to at least make it to the round of 32. Since the first four began, at least one of those teams has made it to the round of 32 every single season. Don't pick a double digit seed from the big 10. Excluding the first four games, double digit seeds from the big 10 are just nine and 20 in the NCAA tournament this year, that's Minnesota, Ohio state and Iowa. So if you're, what you would, what you do in that situation is try to think, pick one to win or pick all three to lose. Cause the odds are at most only one of them will win. Um, where are we going next? Okay. Don't pick Villanova to get past the sweet 16. Since Florida repeated back in 2007, no defending national champion has gotten past the sweet. That's 16. incredible. That's incredible. Don't pick a team lower than fourth to win the national title. 29 of the last 30 teams, going back to Danny Manning and the Miracles in 88, were seeded fourth or higher. Kansas was a sixth seed that year. Don't pick a team lower than six, a sixth seed to even get to the national championship game. Only twice has a team seeded lower than six made it that far. Hmm. And one of them was way back in 85, Villanova as an eight seed. Hmm. Do advance about three number one seeds in the Elite Eight. All-time number one seeds make the Elite Eight 71% of the time. And, you're, and, and you don't want to put any teams seated lower than 11th in your Elite Eight. It's only happened one time ever out of 280 teams. A seed lower than 11th made it that far. Was that George Mason? Uh, yes. As a, no, because they were the 11-seeded play-in game. Mm. I believe it was Loyola of Chicago last year, mm. wasn't it? Um, do advance at least one double-digit seed into your Sweet 16. At least one double-digit seed has made it that far, 32 of the last 34 years. Um, and it put all the number one seeds in the Sweet 16 because they make it that far 86% of the time. And then one more, don't pick a team to win the national championship that doesn't have a future first-round NBA draft pick on the roster since Steve Alford's Indiana team in 1987 did it, no other team has won the NCAA tournament without an NBA first-round draft pick. Was this was okay? this was this all your research? 
Well, yeah. I mean, I do research to, uh, into other people's research and sources. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I get yeah. it. I get it. Yeah. That's, that, that, that is a, that's an, an incredible list. That should be like a nationally syndicated column uh, every year. That is a ton of really interesting things. Some of them, you know, you know how I fill out my bracket. Frankly, I watched the selection show last night uh, and I'm with family down in Florida. I didn't even look at a bracket until Monday morning at 10 a.m., which is an all-time record for me. I mean, normally I'm done within five minutes after the tournament. Um, But a lot of great information there. Really like that. Well, let me me give three trends for this season in this bracket. Okay, so this year, as you know, and I've been keeping you updated on how I've done. This year, I, I, I tried my hand at college basketball handicapping. And I got up to a great start, and then for like a month and a half, I was terrible. And I realized what I was doing is I was treating college basketball lines like football lines, meaning, you know, you always hear me come on here and talk about when you read, look at a line in football, assume the odds makers know more than you and and try to figure out what it is they're telling you. Okay. Well, when every team only plays one game a week, there's a lot of, there's a lot more thought than going to a football line. In basketball, where teams are playing two, sometimes three games a week, quick turnarounds, there's 350 teams. The line, and I finally decided, you know what? These lines are not as tight as they are in football. So I'm not going to put, I'm not going to assume, number one, they know more than me. I'm going to trust my own research and my own eyesight more in basketball than I do in football. And so starting February 1, because that was an easy benchmark date, I decided to use, to change the way I was doing college basketball handicapping. From February 1 until the end of the conference tournament games on Sunday, I ended up going over 40 units uh, in, the, in the black, meaning basically 41 games above 500. When for the season, I was plus 25 games over 500. So that tells you how much better I did from the moment I started trusting my own eyesight more than trying to assume that the lines were smarter than me, if that makes sense. It does. Okay? It does. I also wonder, to throw another hypothesis into that, is teams might be who closer to what they really are in February than they are in November and December. Another good point, that there's less variance in terms of a team's identity. So, stay, so stay away yeah. from playing college basketball uh, in November and December. And to further your hypothesis, one thing you know from my college football handicapping is I'm much better later in the year yes. uh, than I am in September, for example. So you're right. But here are three trends that I observed doing handicapping all over the country. Number one, top those top seven teams in Ken Palm that are the top 20 in offensive and defensive efficiency, they have pretty much been there since the 1st of November. Okay, Those teams haven't moved. They're, they're dramatically better than everybody else. And the team that's been eighth, everybody from Purdue to Wisconsin to Texas Tech, Kansas, there's been a million teams that have been eighth. But those top seven teams have been a cut above everybody else. I mean, everybody loves Tennessee. They were ranked four, number one in the AP poll four weeks this year. They didn't win the SEC regular season or conference tournament title. OK, mm-hmm. so those seven teams this year have, have all season long been better than everybody else number two the acc and big 10 are far and away the best conferences the top of the ac no i don't believe the acc deserve three number one seeds i don't know how michigan state's not a number one seed i mean you have the most quad one wins you won the number two league in the rpi in both the regular season and the tournament 
If that's not a number one seed, man, I don't know what is. Okay, but the top of the ACC is better than anybody else's. The top of any other conference, and the depth of the Big Ten is better than everybody else's conference. Penn State is going to finish top forty thereabouts in the in Ken Palm, and they were the what tenth seed in the Big Ten tournament. Okay, so everybody has forgotten how good the Big Ten is. Uh, because of the 20 game conference schedule in the non the big 10 came out of the non-conference, the number one rated conference in the country. And we forget there were 11 teams in the top 50 of the net going into Christmas. We forget at Christmas, we were talking about 10 NCAA tournament teams in the league. And what's happened is now that we've gone into this 20 game season and these teams all know each other and they're playing defense and big 10 officials let you sodomize everybody all night long. Everybody has forgotten how good the big 10 is. And I think that's going to play itself out when now that these teams are outside the league, outside of the scouting report, like everybody's picking Oregon over Wisconsin. Remember, watch Oregon double team Ethan Happ. Ethan Happ kick it out to Trice and Davison and these guys for wide open threes. And it's going to look like it looked when Wisconsin was playing non-conference games in December and November. Okay, so keep that in mind. And then number three, and this plays in Iowa, the, the next tier conferences that are just outside the power five that are usually pretty good. Like the, uh, the, the big East, the Atlantic 10 and the American are probably the three best ones. All three of those leagues were down this year. All three of them were Cincinnati has a great record. Go look at their defensive metrics. They're nowhere near as good defensively as they've been in the past. All right. That's usually a top 10 defense. They're barely top 30 this year. Houston largely built its record playing all those teams in the American. You look at the Big East, go back to the Gavit challenge at the beginning of the year. The, the Big Ten destroyed the Big East. Um, and, and then you look at some the, the wide variance of so many teams in the Big East. Those second tier conferences are not, were not as good this year as they have been in the past. So I would advise our audience as someone who's been playing these games uh, against the spread in all of these leagues for the last three months, those three trends have played out all year long. Those top seven teams in Ken Palm are way better than everybody else. The second tier conferences are not as good as they used to be. And the top of the big, the ACC and the depth of the big 10 is by far the two best conferences in the country. Yeah, that's more more good stuff. I, I, I agree with you. I, I saw your tweeting on Sunday relative to Michigan State not being a number one. I, I totally buy that. I totally buy that. I would probably have Michigan State as a number one seed over North Carolina or Gonzaga. Uh, Tell me what North Carolina's profile is. They they didn't win the ACC season. They didn't win the ACC tournament. They, they lost by almost double digits at home to Kentucky in the non-conference. They got freaking boat raced by Michigan in the non-conference. Can you tell me what their profile is for a number one seat no, over Michigan State? I, I can't, but I can tell you, in my opinion, they might have got the best draw of any number one seed in the tournament. Regional. See, I think that's the I think that's the hardest region. Okay. Well, I do. I so you mean Washington, Utah State in the eight nine, Auburn. It's a five. Ku is a four. Ku. I. I I mean, Auburn, obviously, a contrast of styles. On the other side, Iowa State is a six. Houston is a three. You just got done talking about those mid-tier leagues. Kentucky is a two. I mean, I think they get by Auburn and Kentucky, and they're in. Or Gonzaga. I mean, Gonzaga, I See, think. See, if I'm North Carolina, the situation I would hate, I really want Auburn to win that second-round game over Kansas, okay? I don't want to play Kansas in Camper Arena 
And I know they're not as good. There's still three NBA players on their roster. They still played the number one strength of schedule in the country. They had the second highest amount of quad one wins behind only Michigan State and Virginia. And and you know this as a guy in, that's that's covered sports. When you are an elite team or program like Kansas is, and you legitimately get to play the chip on the shoulder card, okay? Right, right. No, I mean, you so rarely – dude, Kansas just did that to Duke last year in the Elite Eight, remember? They just did it last year. Okay, so I don't want to play Kansas in Kemper Arena if I'm Roy Williams. I don't want to play that game. I don't. Or the Sprint Center. Or I'm sorry, did I say Kemper? We were talking about Danny Manning and the and the miracles earlier, so I'm getting old now. I just you are Bob Dyer. My bad. You are. My bad. You are. Sorry, Bob. All right. Next up, you've got uh, you, you want to go into your Elite Eight and your your uh, Final Four. I'll do the same. Yeah. So what I did with my picks this year, when I looked at my bracket, I've honored all of these trends, but one. I really tried to come up with who's going to be that team seated seventh or lower that's going to make the final four. And I couldn't find one that I thought overall had it, had that bracket that I thought, yeah, they can blow that up. And so here's what I did, John, after looking at that for that, I did that trend alone for over an hour last night. And I finally decided, you know what, I'm just going to make, do the math. Are the, are the, what are the, what are their greater odds that I'm going to pick the right seven seed or lower that's going to make it or most people are going to pick the wrong one. And the odds are most people are going to pick the wrong one. All right? So I decided to weigh the trend that I saw play out all year long higher than everything else. And so you know what I did? I just played the math. I took those seven teams that were the one and the two seeds, and I put them in every Elite Eight that I could. And then um, I, in the South region, I think Iowa has a really good draw. I don't, if they were playing Cincinnati anywhere else other than Columbus, Iowa would be favored. Even in Columbus, Cincinnati is only a two-point favorite. They don't play; de- they're not as good defensively this year. And Tennessee, Tennessee is going to play the way Iowa wants to play. They, they, they're, they're, they're not a great defensive team either. The one thing about Tennessee that's a tough matchup for Iowa. See, I think Cook and Garza can hold their own against Schofield and Williams. Iowa's got nobody though to stop that Andrew Bone. I mean, he might be the fastest point guard uh, in the in, in America, or at least one of them. So I went ahead and went with Tennessee, but I think that's the region, the South region, where I don't trust Tennessee. That's that's where I think we could see. I thought there was the highest chance of an outlier, but just to show how bad, how much the odds are against that outlier emerging this year, because of how strong those top seven teams are. Let me throw one more data point in. Bet Labs did 10,000 simulations today. 10,000 simulations of the NCAA tournament. The looking for a dark horse. The highest percentage they could find any dark horse to get get to the sweet 16 at just the sweet 16, meaning a team seated 7 or lower was Ohio State and they only got there 13.9% hmm. of the time. Okay? Mhm. Wow. Teams are better than everybody. I'm going against Duke because I also think everybody's going to play Duke, so I'm going to be the contrarian. I'm going to go Michigan, Michigan State versus Kentucky and Virginia, and Virginia beating Michigan State for the national championship. DeAndre Hunter, Virginia's number two in offensive efficiency this year to go with the defense. And I think that they've had the chip on the shoulder all year about what happened against UMBC. And I think this is the year Tony Bennett finally he, – he, he, he's the new Lute Olsen. You know, when's he going to finally win one? I think this is the year he gets his cape. 
Okay, very good. Um, I, in the Elite Eight, I have, let's see, one, two, Gonzaga against Michigan. I have North Carolina against Kentucky. I have Virginia against St. Mary's. And then I have Duke against Michigan State. Duke going up against Michigan in the Final Four. Virginia against North Carolina in the Final Four. And Duke beating Virginia by my same score I've used for every final game since 1987, 77-71. I committed a lot of days since. You know what's funny about that? You know, it's funny about that is you, I used analytics. You used your, uh, your, you know, your eye test. Yes. And you came to the same conclusion I did that the region that was the most open for the variance was the bottom half of the South bracket. You came to the same conclusion I did with St. Mary's and the Elite Eight. You just right against Virginia. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Y- yep. It is. Uh, it is very wide open there. I just, going through this just reminds me again how much I love this. So uh, let's do this. Let's put a pin in this one. We'll go over to the Bigger Ten podcast for this next episode. We'll talk about every single Big Ten matchup for this tournament and their prospects beyond what we've just revealed. We'll do that on the Bigger Ten podcast. For Steve, I'm John. We'll talk to you soon.